started uh, running again now that the weather's getting nice. Lucky. I've been enjoying that. Like so far, no plantar fasciitis, no knee problems. So we'll see how long I can go before those kick in. I've been working my biceps by lifting spoons to my mouth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you buy like 50 pound spoons? No, I should though, huh? <laughs> then, then uh, you know, eating could be calorically neutral, right? If you had super heavy spoons. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> All I know is I just, I have not been taking care of myself lately. Well, it's that new job. It's that slave driver of an employer you have. <laughs> <laughs> I have yet to establish a good routine and it's, it's really getting to that me. is That is your perennial struggle. Isn't it, it is. I always, I always start out with laying out a schedule. So I have a schedule defined. I just have not started it. So you, you defined it, but you just don't do it? Yeah. Like you just forget every morning or... It's hard to keep the discipline, or you don't you don't feel like you can start it yet. I don't feel like I can start it yet, and that's I don't know if there's ever a good time to start a routine, but it's just everything's been crazy. Yes, well, you can imagine the whole new job thing, and and then when you have travel, so you know, I traveled a couple of weeks ago, and that kind of messed with me. Oh yeah, that always throws me off. And then, hey, uh, we're gonna be traveling again soon. And then I'm so gonna be traveling again, <laughs> just bouncing from one to another. Yeah. Are you going to be, what's your travel percentage on this new gig? I don't know. It's, I think it's changing. I think it's evolving. It used to be hardly any, and I think it's going to start to increase. I don't think people travel near as much as they used to. Like for what we do, like if you're in the consulting business, I mean, it used to be 90% travel. You know, you wanted to develop apps or work on people's servers. I mean, you're at their location. Right. And now it's, you know, thank God for the cloud, right? Yeah, but I'm on a different side of things. I have to be client facing and I have to go to meet and greet. Sometimes, and yeah, there's some of that still, but I'm not just the developer in the background, which I would love to be, but that's not that's not the hand I was dealt. Yeah. Of course we work in SaaS and we know that. When I you know, talk about cloud, like I don't even think about SaaS. It's not even This isn't cloud, it's just SaaS, John. Yeah. Have you always been well, comfortable talking to clients directly? Um no, I think it's one of those things, though, that I'm still not always comfortable. I mean, I'm not a naturally, I don't think I'm a natural, like, public speaker or, or group speaker. So I'm more one-on-one. I probably should uh, get over that, do these uh, so-called talks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's just the, um, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm okay, like, on a, on a one-on-one or, yeah, but, I, well, as I used to be, right? Now I'm way more comfortable if I have to talk to a, a like a group or a, a management team at a client or whatever. It doesn't really bother me. I think it's just because I'm older and I don't care anymore. You get to where you care less. <laughs> which is which is in a way is a good thing. Like you need to not you need just to not care. You need to, you know, have the confidence to, you know, whether it's getting in front of a room or in front of a you know, big or small, right? And you need mm-hmm. to be able to just have the confidence to Say your piece and give your opinion or whatever it is your job that you're there to do is and not worry about how it might be received or what people might think or whatever. If you can yeah. get if you can get to that point, then I think, you know, you're probably comfortable talking to clients or groups at a, a conference or whatever. I think for me it's more of a matter of how comfortable I am with the topic of the subject. But a lot of times for me, and this is probably boring, but a lot of times for me, especially when I'm talking to clients, I'm trying not to talk 
because I, I usually am assigned more of a technical role. And usually when we're client facing and we're talking to a client, it's not the time to talk technical details. It's basically get the requirements or talk around the process, that type of thing. And so for me to speak up and start talking technical stuff kind of ruins things. Yeah. So I have to be careful about how I say things. So I tend to hmm. slow down my speech quite a bit because I'm trying to make sure I'm not interjecting too much technical stuff or getting into design, basically. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's always a hard one. But I tried. I think I'm fairly okay at that because anytime people want to jump to solutioneering. <laughs> solutioneering is right a up, technical yeah, term? You're like right up front. Um, I'm, I always notice it and, and try to course correct us. Because, uh, you know, it just biases the... Well, it, bi- it, it, it short circuits understanding the problem in the business context, mm-hmm. right? But it also biases what you end up, once you do have more knowledge, it biases what the, the possible solution space because right off the bat, you threw out some solution, right? Right. Which biases whatever, how everyone's going to think from that point on. They're, gonna, they're always going to think, oh yeah, we need to do a, a single page app with a REST API. You know, it's like, and that's, what, that's the only thing people can have in their head at that point. You know, it squeezes out other ideas. So, but you know, you have to balance that with the whole like, well, let's not do a big waterfall thing. Sure. Of course, unless that's your gig is you do a big waterfall thing. Some people still do that. Well, John, happy pie day. Is it pie day? It sure is. Should have gotten some fried pies. <laughs> is, that how you, is that how you go, fried pies? I don't know. I, I like the idea of fried pies, but I never enjoy them when I get them. Really? That, What's wrong with you? I just don't. I mean, the best thing is like a homemade fried pie. like Or those like, you know, you, um, like in restaurants that do good desserts, like they'll have like, it's almost like a cobbler thing and comes out a little like a little cast iron ramekin type thing. I just so don't it's super like, hot. I don't think I like some pies. ice cream on top. I don't think I like pies. Yeah, I'm not a big pie person either. I don't think I like pies or cakes. I mean, cupcakes. I I, I think I like because it's it's a smaller thing. But I'm not really big on cakes. I'm not really big on pies. Mm. Um, so, so pie day, huh? Is that why I keep seeing all these pie things around? <laughs> that is why you keep seeing references to pie yet today. Yes, yes because it's pie day. <laughs> uh, I've seen I've seen pizza pies shaped like pie. Nothing gets past like John. The pie symbol. <laughs> I've seen uh, cake shaped like or pies shaped like pies. So that might explain it. Well, we probably should. I know you wanted to cover some potentially uh, Trailhead DX ups come up in a couple of weeks. Let's cover that up front. But I do want to ask you about this beer first. So this is one of my creations. This is my latest creation. What what flavored? What what taste do you get? What do you think this? What kind of beer do you think this is? I would say juicy IPA. It's it's to me it's it's right right in line with the Jeremy Ross brand. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a photo of it. And uh, it's extremely cloudy. I mean, it's you can't see through that sucker. Oh my gosh, Sean! <laughs> Did that come through? <laughs> it, it won't. It'll, the noise, the noise gate will will kill it. But I heard that. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong. I don't either. Uh, this is. Uh, do you get anything else besides you know just hoppy IPA flavor? There is something you're missing, and there as there are about twelve pounds of this substance in this batch. There's quite a bit of it. As soon as I tell you, you'll be like, ah, I knew it. There is something, but I can't place it. Strawberries. This is a strawberry milkshake IPA. I was going to say grape soda, but <laughs> <laughs> I might have wore that one out. 
It's got uh, 12, 12 pounds of pureed frozen strawberries and uh, lactose. So hopefully you're not lactose intolerant. I probably should have warned you about that. Um, that's why my stomach's uh, Exactly. That's what I'm hearing over there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I I gave some. I did have a latte, and now you're pumping me for a lactose. That's true. So it's a bad combo if you uh, have that. If you're if you tend to be intolerant, now, I gave I gave a growler of of the spirit to someone yesterday, and after I gave it to him, I was like, "Oh wait, are you, you're not lactose intolerant." Are you? <laughs> That's something I need to remember. Any of my beers that have lactose, usually it's like these this style. Uh, well, if you're going to be responsible, you need to you need to label it lactose. You need to label it gluten. Because that, that's the thing now. That's true, yeah, because there are grains. And this is definitely, I mean, any beer, unless it's, I don't know, like maybe a sorghum beer or something, is not going to be kosher for, um, uh, what are they, what's it called? Uh, celiac. Or, or just gluten-sensitive people. Yeah, I don't know that. I don't acknowledge that. <laughs> <laughs> I have to acknowledge it because that's what my wife says. So yep. you, you, you do what you got to do, don't you, John? <laughs> You know what? So, so when I plan the meals, because I'm I'm the pickiest about dinner, I have to plan all gluten free meals. But that means at lunch, I'm like when we go out, which is like once a week, I'm just heavy on the gluten, just sandwiches or something. You know. I mean, I guess for yourself, you could have like a, a you know, some bread or whatever. But it'd just be for you and the kids. Oh, the kids always have something else. Our house is horrible. <laughs> it's like a short order cook in our house yeah. where my wife is. Yeah. The kids are having noodles or ramen or grilled cheese or something. I don't yep. they, they're, I don't know. We try, I mean, we're not perfect, but we try to make our kids eat like the stuff we eat. And we used to be better at it, but they go through phases. You know, some, I mean, from as soon as our kids could reasonably eat foods, like we're giving them, you know, Indian, Asian, Mexican, just all kinds of, you know, medium rare steak. And that's still like one of their favorite meals is just a good medium rare steak. But they've gotten, you know, they go through different phases and they go through them separately. Sometimes one for a while, one of them will get real picky mm-hmm. and then, then then they'll get better and the other one gets bad. So I don't know. But we try to. They seem to have the same kind of phases. I mean, yeah. there are things that they would eat just fine and loved it. And then they're all of a sudden they just stopped eating it. So. so anyways, I guess we should talk about Salesforce on the Salesforce podcast before we get We should. Well, let's, 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 so let's get the Trailhead DX stuff out of the way, I guess. Ugh. I was hoping to put that off. I just want well, to- we have the updates. We have updates on the speakers, so we have the kind of sessions defined. So we have three main sessions defined for that day. How are we doing on our call for speakers? Are we done with that? Do we- um, no, actually, okay. we need to do another call. We do. Okay, who are we calling? Uh, I don't know. What are we calling for? I don't know. Are you are you are you vamping here? I am. Okay, because <laughs> I got to get to that spot. <laughs> <laughs> either vamping or just looking at me like a moron for no reason <laughs> I have been given a script on what to ask oh, for okay good um, so I'm going to read the script as best as I can so as part of the event would you we'll like be some have, background oh, music oh maybe maybe let's do this <laughs> all I have is all I have is our game show uh, I don't even know where it is there we go <laughs> yeah the fancy new thing there you go yeah let me turn it down some yeah that was kind of loud Come on down. <laughs> As part of the event, we'll be having people give quick and simple demos of cool technology things. Cool tech. Uh, the topics are deliberately broad and vague. Uh, you will have five minutes to demo something. So this is the call to speaker. Okay, let me let me frame this up a little bit more okay. before I read this. Um, so essentially, in between, we're going to have breaks in between some of the discussions that we have planned for the sessions. And we're going to have spots for people to kind of come up and do five-minute kind of, uh, what do they call Lightning them? Lightning talks. Lightning talks. 
Not necessarily lightning, lightning. It can be about lightning, but it's lightning as in fast. Right. Um, so, and the, the goal is to kind of give a form for people who maybe don't do a lot of speaking or have never done any speaking. You know, we really want to encourage people who, have, who haven't done anything to kind of come up and share their experience, talk about code. We're not looking to do slides or presentations, just to kind of get up there, practice talking, have a conversation. Um, we'll definitely be there to help and guide and ask questions and all those kind of things. Um, so that's kind of what we're looking for. Um, so let me read this. Um, so you'll have five minutes to demo something you've worked on or been involved with that you think other people would enjoy hearing about. Uh, no slides, as we said. Uh, some examples are show a clever snippet of code or a slice of an app that you're quite proud of. Maybe you built something that was really cool that you that solved a really really interesting problem. Like uh, <clears throat> the, the uh, Promises library. Yeah. That'd be a cool thing. Yeah. Um, or a technical challenge you got stuck on and had to overcome. Um, maybe trying to bend Salesforce to your will <laughs> using the force or the Schwartz. And I mean, we work in Salesforce, so it shouldn't be hard to come up with examples of stuff you got stuck on. <laughs> Considering sell, for, developing for Salesforce is like uh, competing in some kind of obstacle course. Yeah. And again, so there's really no kind of Q&A portion for these talks. They're meant to be kind of quick demos, but you know, we'll be there to kind of help the conversation along if you feel get stuck or you get nervous or something. and. You just need someone to kind of help get the ball rolling. We'll definitely be there to kind of help make that happen. So really, we want to encourage people to to reach out to us and you know give us some kind of topic that you might want to do, and then we'll uh, we'll work it out. And then, again, is this for the the lightning talks or for it, the? This is specifically for okay. the lightning talks. So, so have, the longer talks are filled. Those slots are filled. Right. Okay. Great. I was worried that we'd be, we wouldn't be able to fill those. Those, but people like to do this stuff. So yeah. So in terms of the the actual extracurricular sessions. Uh, so we have three, and each one is about two hours long. Um, the idea is that you'll be able to kind of pop in and out of these discussions as much as you need to. Um, but we're just basically going to block out these two hours for this type of conversation. There'll be someone who's presenting something, and there'll be moderators, which I believe you and I are considered moderators. And we also have uh, members on a panel that will help kind of do Q&A. Uh, so what, the first session of the day will run from 9 to 11. That's being done by Mike Topolovich. 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 Am I saying that right? You are now. <laughs> <laughs> and the title of this one is Trials and Triumphs, a custom data table lightning component. Um, that sounds cool. Yeah. I, I'm not going to read all the descriptions, or should I read the descriptions? Nah, probably not. Yeah. So I'm just going to read the titles and what to expect. You can go to the website, theextracurricular.org. Curricular. God. W. <laughs> Nuclear. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I'll post it in the show notes so <laughs> people can understand Moving my, on. <laughs> my, my pronunciations. Uh, the next one will be from 11 to 1 p.m. Uh, that one's Salesforce uh, from Carl Brundage. That one's on Salesforce external data and analytics without middleware. That should be interesting. Um, that one's kind of happening around the lunch cycle, so maybe you can grab a sandwich and pop in. Maybe? I'm not sure how that word works. Uh, the next one starts at 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., and that'll be the last one of the day. And it's titled... Why did that happen? Uh, that's from Matt, Matt Lacey, and it's about managing application state with SPAs, so server, uh, single page applications. Hmm, nice. So those are the three. Uh, the spas, John. That's uh, what the cool kids are doing nowadays. Yeah. What do you know? Uh, <clears throat> what's, what's your favorite flavor? Is it uh, Angular or React or, or my favorite view? You're such a bad or, or you, hopper. Are you so artisanal? You no, I know, I know. I, let me guess. You're you're artisanal, and therefore you you roll your own spa using John's Vanilla.js. 
I was going to say, I was just going to say Vanilla Jazz. Yeah. <laughs> but like I was saying earlier, now the cool thing to do is uh, back to surfer side rendering. Really? Yeah. Can we cut the music? Uh, are we done? <laughs> are we done? Okay. Ready? Watch how I can do this. I know. I wasn't expecting to do that till later, so I was a little bit ill-prepared. That's okay. We like to uh, mix it up here on the Good Day Sir show. Like to throw curveballs at me. You like when you have balls thrown at you. I knew you were going to go there. I knew it. (laughs) All right. Topics. So you were saying server-side rendering. Yeah. That's the new thing. I've actually been trying to do more vanilla JS because I realized I had such a big crutch on all these frameworks, on jQuery and things like that. And I was, and I'm learning that there's, well, not learning, but I've, I've been able to kind of focus more on the stuff that ES6 provides, which I don't need frameworks for anymore. Okay. So, well, not for everything. I mean, I, I guess the, so like the typical use case for jQuery is like, I need to go grab a bunch of DOM and manipulate that and all that kind of stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's stuff built into the language now that can do that. Well, the DOM's gotten, itself has gotten better. And there's um, the, the browser implementation of, yeah, it's gotten better, right? The, inconsistencies between browsers is not really as much of an issue. But I mean, there's, um, you don't need a JavaScript framework just to code in ES, ES6. Or if you were coding in ES6 and you want to support older browsers, I mean, just a simple build process like, you know, Babel. Mm-hmm. I call it Babel. I know I've heard others call it Babel, which I think is silly. I would have said Babel. Is it, is it the Tower of Babel? Have you ever heard that? Or is it the Tower of Babel? Babel? Yeah. Babel, get out of here. I hear that all the time. And I'm like, what are you, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> is this a millennial <laughs> thing? <laughs> it, it's, it is literally Babel. It, exactly. It's not Babel. Well, the Tower of Babel, wasn't, isn't the story about the Tower of Babel that everyone got started speaking different languages and thus yeah, were yeah, unable exactly. to coordinate yeah. and organize? Right. That's exactly what they're doing. Babel, and some people say ba- ba- Babel. They have their own language, <laughs> okay. and now, now, see, it's just yeah, history okay. repeating itself. Anyway, um, yeah, so you could have a, some simple transpilation step, I guess, to um, go from... Transpilation. E- Transpilation. Yeah. Not polation. Transpilation, what'd I say? You said polation. <laughs> God. All right. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're getting me back now or what. I am. Anyway, um, yeah, to get to get back to es like what it would be ES5, I guess, right? JavaScript yeah. 5. Um, no, the JavaScript frameworks do way more than that. You know, they're compiling templates and you know all kinds of stuff out of the box functionality-wise. Oh, but, no, I agree <clears> with that. It's just for some of the smaller things I've been building was just kind of, you know, just doing some some quick stuff on a page, some quick automation or something, not really building out a true application. Just, yep. just need to manipulate the DOM a little bit here and there. You know, I don't really need to incur the expense of a framework just then, to, yeah, absolutely. to do some dominant right. just yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've done spas with everything from, like I'm working on a project, this this ongoing project um, that's pretty big. It's, you know, it's app with lots of different modules and screens and stuff. So it, spa makes a lot of sense for that. And I've also done, I've done I mean, I did like an Angular thing Um for a one pager thing that was embedded in a Visual Force page inside Salesforce. Mm-hmm. Basically just because there was a <clears throat> it was actually a configurator type thing. Um and there were 
there's you know one of those things with lots of drop downs and um, different um, kind of visualizations showing like different art and logos and things. It was all based on quite complex. I mean, for me, I'm just a web developer, right? Quite <laughs> quite complex stuff. And it and it's all state based. And like when someone changes one thing, like all this other stuff needs to update. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I could either use something like Angular, Angular, or I can, I guess, use something like jQuery and have it be real imperative, where I'm manually updating a bunch of DOM stuff. And and actually, I started out with that that route on that particular project, and it got out of hand fast. I'm like, oh my god, I'm like updating, and like keeping it. Keeping things in sync and keeping like DOM elements in sync with, with, with what's happening with the data was was, and I was just I got to the point where I'm like okay, I just should switch now because this is only going to get worse. Yeah. And the implementation I ended up with in Angular was like very simple. I mean, it was the the core of the problem was still had its complexity to it, but I mean the solution that I came up with was way more simple. But isn't it better to kind of discover that you need to move up a level rather than just kind of start with this big bang and say, I have to use Angular from day one? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't just automatically, I wouldn't blindly assume you need a, a spa, but sometimes when you when you, when you know enough about the problem, you're like, well, clearly that's going to need a spa. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just be like, well, I know how to use Angular. How, how would you like me to do Angular today? You know, it's like, that's... I don't not, like not the word spa. Pressure. I keep thinking, yeah. Okay. I, I don't like it really either, yeah, but I that's... A, I could use a back rub, a little... I know, a yeah. Steam bath, like a, you know. Like a, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go work on the spa today, boss. All right, I'll see, you, I'll see you later. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, there's, there's two, and I didn't even have these on my topics, but I've thought of them. There's, there's two interesting trends right now. One is even with spas doing a lot of server side rendering. I'm a fan of that still. I'm- and there's also there's a term that I that people came up with a while back um, that I don't hear as much anymore. But this, have you heard of isomorphic JavaScript? No, so I don't know if this is I don't know if it's like isomorphic templates. I, I wonder if people are using that term. So isomorphic, and it's kind of a stupid term, really. I don't I don't think it's a good term for this, but it basically just means that you know there's this uh, perennial problem. Man, I'm, I like the word perennial today. That's this, this show is brought to you by the word <laughs> perennial. Uh, there's this problem that we've always had of like you know you need to do client validation, but you still got to do server side validation, right, to make sure that you know right. someone's not scamming you or whatever. And, you know, on the front end, obviously, we've got JavaScript, but on the back end, we're .NET, or we're Node, or we're Java, or whatever, Python. And so you've got to write your validations in JavaScript for the front end, and then you've got to write them in Python, or whatever, for the back end. Right. And so this idea of isomorphic JavaScript is, you actually write all of that, all of your validation logic in JavaScript in one place, and then through some compilation step that your JavaScript framework does for you, it spits out, you know, your your client stuff has the right JavaScript in it, and your server, the Part that runs on your server has the right validations, but you only wrote them, you know, you wrote them one time. Hmm. Um, but this is kind of like that concept, but it's really not isomorphic JavaScript. It's more isomorphic templates. So you write the templates once, and I, your view supports this. There's like um, Nuxt is a thing um, that that helps with that if you're if you're doing view. Um, but I think, uh, gosh, what does React call it? I can't remember now. It's got it's got the similar thing, but basically, especially for I think initial loads, like you get initial server side render, so that you don't have that pause or the flash that mm-hmm. happens after after your app actually loads. You know, you get kind of an immediate server side re- template, and then in the kind of in the background, your JavaScript's loading and the app is kind of bootstrapping itself. Even if that only takes a, like a second or two, 
that's still a second or two that the user could have seen something. Sure. Instead of like a a, a white screen or a loading and you know spinner or something. So that's interesting. I haven't I actually. I don't know. I, I so far have not had the problem that performance was or the initial load was bad enough. And nowadays you can you can modularize. What's it called? Um, I guess code splitting. You can like let's say you've got a, a pretty good sized spa that's got you know a half a dozen different modules. Well, you can basically have, if you code it right. Uh, most of these frameworks support each of these modules being separate kind of build artifacts, and they mm-hmm. can be you know when the at first boots you get the 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 main one or the initial one or whatever. And then as you go into other, well, first of all, you can either, whenever you want to kind of, if you know they're going to, like, let's say you know that there's another module that's, that's they're going to use 90% of the time. After the app loads and the user is, you know, able to do things, it can start pulling that other, that second one down in the background asynchronously. Um, or you can have it do it on demand. So like they, they click into the shipping module and then it, it will load just the shipping module. But so you, you know, you break it up so that they don't, you know, there's not, not one like giant seven second delay while the whole thing loads. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just haven't had that much of a problem yet. Um, the other trend I've been seeing, which is really interesting, more interesting, I think, because I think it's more controversial. I mean, I, I like the idea of server side templates. If you, sir, sorry, what is it? It's SSR, right? Server, what the hell does that stand for? Server side rendering. Thank you. Thank you, brain. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens. To, I'm, what am I about a third away into a pint? And my brain starts to go, but it it kicks in every now and then, just late. My brain is asynchronous. Sometimes, like I, the thing I try to think of comes to me like eight seconds later or eight minutes later. It's, it's firing, quite off, firing off these asynchronous calls. I know I need to server side render my brain, my thoughts. <laughs> Remind me not to drive with you then. Yeah. Um, okay. Second trend, more controversial is that your, your REST APIs, instead of them returning JSON, which has you know, been the, the thing to do, they should actually just go ahead and return HTML snippets. Oh. And then the, your app just swaps that in. So instead of it returning JSON, and then your app having to apply that, to a, that data to the template and then update the DOM, the server, instead of returning JSON, returns you the HTML and your... Bre- your JavaScript framework just does an inner HTML and replaces that with that string of snippets that the server return. Um, it's funny. Rails has done this for, and I'm not a Rails expert, but I've done, I've done a few little Rails things over the years. Rails has had support for this for a long time, but they've made news recently. I can't remember what they, they've got a, oh, let me see. Rails, JavaScript, HTML, I don't know. Um, they have a new JavaScript like tool or library or something, and there's a, there's a cute name for it. But it's all about that, turning HTML instead of instead of JSON. It seems like the the amount of data going back and forth would be increased. I mean, at least with JSON, it's just well, hopefully, it's just the raw data and the the kind of details on layout and all that kind of stuff is is later. Yeah, well, it's client side. It's client yeah. side. It's not you're not sending the entire chunk of right. you know markup down the line. Their answer to that, and I pretty much agree with this, is that <clears throat> that's true. It probably is somewhat more, but uh, with especially with GZIP and things, I mean, it's it's actually not even a noticeable difference. Also, it's, what it's happens to your enough. bindings? I mean, you wouldn't be able to have some kind of binding, would you? On those on those, I don't know areas or sections where where that HTML gets replaced. 
That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you've already got the... if Okay. If you've got the data locally, then it probably doesn't do that. I think it's for data that you don't have locally, maybe. Yeah, but the I mean, if you have... If I mean, you I have da- new data coming down from the, from the pipe, then <clears throat> if it's JSON, then you basically plug that into your controllers and that would through binding it goes and updates your your dom yeah but if you're just replacing dom elements then there's no chance for it to do that right and you don't have that data locally which also means i mean again i'm i'm talking completely out of ignorance now i'm sure they probably solve for this but yeah if it's if the server's just returning html then you also can't manipulate that data locally so i don't know but it's a thing and it's not just these rails guys that are doing this it's well i mean i could i could see it kind of being Part of the toolkit. I mean, for for areas of where you just kind of need to show some information, formatted information, that could be beneficial, if, especially if you don't have to interact with it. And you can kind of save the processing power, the client side processing power, for things where you you do need bindings. Yeah. All right. Um, what was I was actually on our topic list for today? Um, <clears throat> so the the new Stack Overflow survey comes out. It came out. Yeah, we always like talking about that. <clears throat> Yeah, I think we we made it. Did, did we make it higher on the list or lower on the list? Well, of dreadful. <laughs> one thing I <laughs> noticed, and I dreaded language. I don't know if this has been the case before, but Salesforce actually registered as a platform. So two percent of developers say they, you know, Salesforce is one of the platforms they work on. Um, Apex still didn't show up as a language, or is it? But it's under the name Salesforce as a platform. Well, I mean, C Sharp shows up as a language, and it's under .NET. So, I mean, I don't know. Just I'm, what, no, when they ask, this is a survey. So, when they ask developers, you know, hmm. what language you work on, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't know if Apex just wasn't enough for them to even list it. Because I don't know if this is like a, you know, pick one or mo- pick multiple from this list, and Apex just wasn't listed, or if you just got to plug something in. But, but <clears throat> regardless, it wasn't on the survey. But yeah, the Salesforce as a platform did show up. Now, of course, you know, we've been fascinating at this, at this for years, why Salesforce always shows up as one of the most dreaded things that developers list as things they work on. Right. And it was, you know, well, I don't even know where that was. Let me pull it up. Do you have it? I started clicking around and I lost it. Well, <clears throat> actually, before we get into the Salesforce part, I mean, there's, there's some interesting things here. So one thing I notice is that uh, on, on the demographics section, and this is, you know, we we it, there's the whole, you know, women in tech, and <clears throat> why don't we have more women? Shame on us for not hiring women, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And ninety three percent of you know these Stack Overflow people are male, six point eight percent female, and one point six percent are not sure or something. Um, and, and that's interesting because that actually correlates with what Quantcast, you know, tells Stack Overflow. They 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 estimate that. There are about ten percent women that is at least for sacrifice U.S. traffic. But I mean that, that's I think that illustrates how I always I mean I think it's good for these companies that try to make sure they don't have any hiring bias. But I don't I don't think it's good for them to virtue signal and and you know quasi self flog themselves for for um, hiring what's available to them in the labor pool. And the truth is that 90% of at least active software developers tend to be, or seem to be male. Yeah, that's kind of 70-30 number that gets thrown out there. 
every so often. And not even is it. I mean, is that even? I'm not sure if it's even close to thirty percent women. I mean, it looks like it's. I mean, how is it possible that two? If okay, let's if you buy that thirty percent number, mm-hmm. how is it possible that two thirds of them don't even visit Stack Overflow and Quantcast and it would you know wouldn't know that? That's just not the case. I mean, just uh, it's ten percent of working software engineers are 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 women. It's just interesting, and of course that doesn't this doesn't even begin to address the and I'm not intending to the problem of why aren't there as many women in you know in a, some kind of development profession that's a whole other thing but the fact is what we have in in the labor pool is a lot of dudes seventy five percent white and ninety three percent straight so yeah I mean the the industry is literally a bunch of straight white dudes. <laughs> Which, which can itself breed problems just to like, you know, bad feedback loops. Mm. You know, we say and do and act the way that self-affirms and whatever, you know, you tend to become an insular, can become an insular group at that point. So that's always fun. What else um, was interesting? Let's see. God, this is slow. How much time do you spend on a computer? John, how, many time, how much time do you spend on a computer in a day? How many hours in a day? Yep. Oh, how many hours is that? Was that your answer? <laughs> I don't know. A good, probably 75%. So this is interesting. 65% spend nine or more hours. You know, so 13% of the people said they spend more than 12. I'm probably in that 12 range, yeah. Only 30% spend less than nine hours. I've got to be up there. I mean, if you combine like work time with personal time, yeah, I'm 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 over nine. Well, what counts as a computer these days? Is my my PlayStation Four count as a computer? Do I have to count that time? Uh, they this says this says desk. They define that desktop or laptop. Hmm. So, I'm joking. I don't really right. get to play my PlayStation anymore. Healthy habits. How often? Develop, do developers skip meals to be productive? All the time. So about 40% do so at least once a week. Mm-hmm. And, and we make up for it later, and that's how come we get all... <laughs> exactly. We get all fat. Yeah. And do you think that's just because of the typical like a personality thing, or is that because of the... I think it's just tough the, to of, walk away from. I mean, you're, you're in the middle of something, you've you're trying to figure something out or you make feel like you're making progress and it's tough to kind of take that break or sometimes you just uh, actually what happens more often for me is I just lose track of time. I'm so focused on it that before I know it, it's one o'clock or it's two o'clock and I'm like, Oh crap, I missed lunch. I do that a lot, but I will end up eating it. It'll just, it'll just be late. I try not to. Cause then if I eat late and then dinner comes on time <clears throat> because the kids have a schedule, then I'm just like, I'm not hungry for dinner. Well, yeah. Well, a lunch for me is like one of those little yogurt things. So I can usually still eat dinner. Oh, that's what you're saying. So you just have a smaller snack. Especially if I eat late, I'll definitely eat something small. Yeah. Which I guess could be considered skipping lunch. I don't know, but that's typical for me. Or or do you think it's that the pressure or the the culture that a lot of companies have, especially as, as to how they treat these all these straight white men? <laughs> what all these guys in in San Francisco with beanbag chairs and foosball tables? They're not skipping lunches. I don't know. I've never they, worked in San Francisco. They just work twenty four seven and they play 
whenever they want. I mean, you hear about these high pressure. I certainly oftentimes get <clears throat> put into just stupidly high pressure situations. No, that's true. I mean, there there are times where there's a deadline and no one wants to budge on it and you have to make up the difference. Yep. And everyone failed to get their deliverables to you on a reasonable amount of time. So you weren't able to start your work. But this project still has to be finished at the same time that we originally agreed upon at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it, that's I totally mean, fair. It, <laughs> those situations happen, but it's not always just the developer dealing with that. You know, whoever's doing config or implementation is also working just as late and just as long. And really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't because usually what happens is I'll be developing something or a, a series of things. And as soon as I finish one thing, I put it off for testing and then I'm starting on the next one. And while I'm doing stuff, someone on my team is testing it before it gets to the client. So, you know, someone is there with me working. Not all alone, but it still sucks. Okay. All right. So now we're on to um, dreaded platforms. So this is unfortunately where Salesforce does show up. Number, they show up on both. Number three. <clears throat> okay, well, let's, uh, what, on the loved? Yeah, they show up on the loved uh, down at the bottom, I believe. 30% love yeah. Salesforce. That's interesting. Um, but they do show up at the pretty much. Well, the only thing that the only thing that's less loved, or less loved, more loved. No, how do I say that? Loved more. The only thing that's loved less than Salesforce. No, that's not right either. No, that is right. Is uh, is Drupal? Drupal. Drupal was a thing for a while. It was. I mean, it's still the sad thing. It's still actually pretty big. Yeah. Um. But it's, oh man, it's such a mess. Did you ever build any Drupal stuff? I got into it a little bit, but just on the edge. I never did anything really big with it. I installed it a few times and ran it locally a few times. And I think, what did they call it? They had like some kind of widget system. I think I built some things on. Mm. I forgot what it was called, but. Yeah, they, actually, you know what they did? This was before there was even object-oriented PHP. Um, and what, what they did with, I mean, it was actually, part of it was fairly impressive, but the fundamental problem was that it was PHP. Oh, you're a PHP hater, huh? No, I'm, you know, I'm really not, actually. They're a platform, too. Yeah, they're 63% love WordPress. Oh, did I miss it? Where it's that? close to the top. No, I'm sorry. That's dreaded. It's fairly dreaded. I, I had switched over to the dreaded. Ah. Let's go to dreaded. So, so Salesforce is third from the top. It's, it's quite dreaded. 60, almost 70%, right? Drupal beat it, and then SharePoint was the number one. Is SharePoint still that bad? I'd heard it gotten better. I mean, I always hated SharePoint, but that was 15 years ago. So why do you think it's on, why do you think it's so high on dreaded? Do you think it's just it's 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 I need to understand the question. That's what I need. I need the questions that were asked that derived that they derived this number from. Um, is it dreaded because people want don't want to develop on it, or is it dreaded because there's so much to learn and to get up to speed on? So let me <clears throat> let me explain to you how they came up with this number. So the Salesforce number is 70%, right? And it's the percent of developers who are working with Salesforce, but ex but do not want to continue doing so. Ah. I'm not going to say I mean, Why was I just telling you earlier about my work? <laughs> like, I mean, I, I haven't done any work in Salesforce, and I think it's, you know, some number of months now. I mean, I just avoid it. I take projects that are on the outskirts of Salesforce mm -hmm. or that are some integration or like some system that maybe uh, integrates with the API of Salesforce, but it's just, it's just not, it's just not, regardless of DX and all that, it's not a great DX. It's not a good DX. 
it's not a good experience. The tooling, the language that, you know, it's, it's just, and there's, I mean, there's, there's a reason why it's up there at the top of that list. And I'm pretty sure that's why. I st- it still doesn't tell me what people are dreading about it. I, I don't know if it's, it's, is it well, they, don't, they, they want don't, more language features? No, is it, you know, know, the things like that? I mean, I would love to understand that a little bit more. I mean, for me, I'm starting to, and again, it's probably why I focused or have been focusing or forced to focus. I'm not sure the right way to say that, but why I'm focusing so much on architecture stuff, because honestly, there's so many features in the platform. There's, there's a lot less development for me to do unless I'm going to build out a really big custom application. Yeah. And those are rare. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, Salesforce development isn't so much, uh, I hate it that much. Um, I have my my issues with some of it, but it's not like I completely hate it. But at the same time, I'm like, well, there's less opportunity for me to be a developer on this, on the platform because they're so focused on point and click tools. Well, let's talk about maybe why people don't want to continue working with Salesforce. I mean, I can just, I'll, I'll throw out some things. Um, it's you know the Apex language, great reason why. I'm not going to get into why. It just we all know about Apex. Um, still, no way to run Apex locally. So if you're on an airplane or anything else. Forget it. You're toast. Um, what else? The whole, I mean, just the deployment and packaging is still, is still a mess. Still very difficult, very cumbersome. Again, the, back to our conversation last week and previous conversations about there's no, there's no um, module or dependency system, really. At least not like there is on any other platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, the tooling. Um, is I think it's gotten better actually. So I'm not saying there's not progress in some of the things. I'm just talking about if you just take the current state, it's just not where other languages are. True, but I mean I think we've seen <laughs> more and more investment. We have other we have people developing tools. We have Salesforce working with the people developing tools, and we have Salesforce themselves building out better tools. Yep, and they're all worse than pretty much name any other thing. There's only so much you can do, <laughs> regardless of the respect I have for some of the people that are building some of these tools. There's only so much they can do. It's limited by the platform. I just wonder if there's just that much if if there's just that much of a market for custom development. I mean, I think it's gotten so. I think there's a couple of factors. I think one being there really isn't that many many opportunities for development these days. It might be a quick component here and there, and I'm just speaking anecdotally from my yeah. experience. Um, most of the you know big bang for my buck is is having me architect solutions and having me define you know trying to get a process into the existing tooling without going into, and I guess a better way of saying it is most of my time is spent convincing or trying not to develop something um, when it comes to enhancing the platform is to try to keep it as native as possible, try to leverage the features that exist. So that's the mantra, things. right? Clicks, not code. You should always, you should always click instead of code, right? That's what people tell you, which is actually really bad it's not, advice. It's not, yeah, I mean, I'm, sometimes I'm, you should click and not code, but sometimes you should code and click less. And that's the balance. That's where experience. Yeah, but people comes don't in. understand. People a, don't actually. There's there are very few people who actually have the capability to do that level of analysis and have that conversation. If you hear people say, "Oh, you should always click and not code," okay, that's a super simpleton mindset, and it's going to get you in trouble. You're going to end up with a bunch of technical debt, crappily glued together, clunky blocks of a system. Sure. But I mean, it's a balance. It's I think I can speak to that balance, but I think there's a lot of things in play when it comes to developing on the platform and customizing it that that are come with its own amount of expense to do things the right way. And some of it is because we don't have certain 
language features or certain tooling or things like that to kind of help inc- increase productivity. Yep. <clears throat> um, I forgot where I was going with all this. I, I just, I just, I just really want to understand. And, and look at, I mean, look at the whole lightning story. And I don't, I don't even do lightning development, but I mean, I hear people just there's, there's all sorts of problems with lightning development that you're not going to get doing any other JavaScript work from locker service to, I mean, just all kinds of stuff. Yeah, but I mean, when, when it comes to Salesforce as a platform, we're building stuff for Salesforce. It's not like, like C-sharp where we can build an application that's just standalone that, that runs on its own and, and exists to sell somewhere. I mean, we're building purposely built stuff to work with Salesforce. So, I mean, there's other systems that they're, the way you extend it is like is C-sharp, for example, like OutSystem. Is it OutSystems? That one's, yeah, that's one of them. You know, low-code system, but, you know, one of the ways you extend it is, is C-sharp. The way you extend Oracle, or uh, yeah, Oracle apps and SAP and stuff is, is Java. Salesforce just continues to double down on proprietary and really, I'll use a nice word, sticky, <laughs> tech, you know, t- tools and technologies. I, I guess it could be worse. <laughs> it could be. Salesforce could go from number three on the most dreaded to number one on the most dreaded. They're not far from there, though. So yeah, just, you're right. It could I be worse. I just feel like there's a bigger story here. I I, I want to dig in and find oh. it. I just I don't understand it. I don't. I, I would I would understand it being kind of in the middle. I don't understand it being that high. Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I do, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been avoiding it. You haven't been working with it. So uh, that's true. That. I just I just think you know with things like Lightning and and you know the move to JavaScript and even some of the tooling that we've seen come out. Uh, and I'm not even talking about DX tooling. I'm just talking about. People like, you know, the Eliminate Clouds of the World and even the Visual Studio Code stuff that we're seeing bits and pieces here because that has to be DX. But I mean, we're starting to see better tooling, stuff that helps us be a little more productive. Ultimately, we still have to push it to Salesforce and that's a bit of a pain. But I mean, productivity-wise, it's gotten a lot better. How so? What has? Just the tooling, the IDEs that are available I mean, I see, to us. I still, see like people, I still see people with up all night, all weekend, trying to get... Um, some failed deployment thing. And, oh, that's and, still a pain. Yeah. It, it's just, it's a joke. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that in 2018, this is how, this is the state of the art, the state of the technology. It's just, I've been saying for literally 10 years, they've got to fix this. And yeah. they haven't fixed it. What is the wanted languages? Is wanted? Things, yeah. Things that people want to I don't use? Know. I'm not there, so I don't see them. So tell me, what are the wanted languages? Yeah, yeah. Things that you... Probably not working on, but you'd like to work on what it should, read, read those. Visual Basic 6? Really? Yeah, that's yeah, a wanted? Yeah. No, that's a dreaded. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I slipped something to us. Python. JavaScript is number two at 19%. Oh, did you see that someone posted uh, the other day in the Slack <clears throat> that um, it was a complaint, I guess, or maybe, maybe they're adding this now, but I think it was Go. Go doesn't have um, generics or namespaces and how people are there's been enough complaint that they're going to, they're going to start, they're going to, I guess, work on adding those. <laughs> I'm all, yeah. <laughs> it, it holds you back, man. It, it's, it's a, it's a needed, th- those are needed tools. They are, but I mean, it's not like coding didn't exist before these concepts. We, people still got stuff done. Maybe not, not as productive. I want but... you to look at technology as it existed and try to try to remember back at how good it was 20 years ago. I'm just saying, I, I feel like we're taking a lot of things for granted when we really get down to it sometimes. I mean, we're not pushing memory around in 
you know, low level code, you know, we just, we just declare a variable. (laughs) Yep. And that's existed for 40 years. I'm just saying, yeah, we're spoiled. (laughs) And other languages spoil us even further so that any other language that comes in that just doesn't have these, what we call critical first world features, (laughs) we start complaining. Oh, I think you should go back to working on uh, C- Java 1.0 or C Sharp 1.0 then, John. That's okay. Okay. No, you might like it. It's simple. It, I'm just it, trying to have a would... broad perspective here. That's all. <laughs> You're having like a Zen moment. Like... I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying to be fair and balanced. Um, yeah. Okay. Um... What oh, what languages are associated with the highest starting salaries? I'm just going to go to the United States. Erlang, number one. How do you like that? Scala, number two. OCaml, number three. Clojure, Go, Groovy. That's cool. I like Groovy. I do some Groovy. That's, let's see, uh, Objective-C, F-sharp, Hack, Perl, Kotlin. There's Kotlin. Some uh, TypeScript is up there. Where's Apex? Uh, it's not here. Java, close to the bottom. Java's commoditized. Thoughts? Nope. All nope. right. We're done. I did want to talk about the employment status. I thought that was interesting because I think whenever when I, made my, when I made my switch, you made the argument how more and more people are going independent. I know that. But I looked at these numbers like... I would not, it, it caught me off guard. I was like, I didn't expect that. Yeah. Like, what was it, 90% employed? Well, this says eight. Well, okay. So, employment status, professional developers, 80%, well, 76.9 if you want to get critical. So, I'm saying uh, 70%, 75% employed full time, Ten, basically 10% are contractors or self employed. Mm-hmm. And if you go by geography, it's 80% in the United States and 6% uh, contractor. Freelancer, self employed. Wow. Uh, I wonder how. Do we know how that has trended from previous years? Uh, no. And you know there are there are um, sites out there people have put up that they've done this trending over time, and also other meta analyses of the stack these Stack Overflow surveys. Really mm-hmm. interesting because I think they make all the data. It's like pub, it's open source. Yeah, I think, so well, can, I think they publish a survey, and then after a while, the the raw data comes out. I think something like or that. If not immediately, yeah, I don't know. I was they always talk about their data being open source. You just have to clone it. Check it out. <laughs> well, uh, we, ha- we do have some Salesforce news if you want to get on the other stuff or, or do you have topics, stuff you want to get to? Uh, yeah, we can, but we're probably, uh, I think it's starting to get into news as well for mm-hmm. me. All right, well, go ahead. Take I thought floor. we'd talk about the uh, $100 million Dropbox investment that Salesforce recently. Uh, it was interesting. So Salesforce is already, has already, you know, has been an, a private investor in Dropbox for quite some time, right? And of course, I, Dropbox is going public. Mm-hmm. And Salesforce, so they, got, they, they have a some, sweet, sweet deal, pre-IPO deal, actually, I'm sure. It's, it's not, well, I don't know if it's considered, I don't know if it's that sweet. So here's the way it's going to work. And, and I have a modest understanding of this. Salesforce basically has a contract with their, whoever, whatever bank is doing their IPO. Uh-huh. And when I say Salesforce, I think it's Salesforce Ventures, but whatever, same thing. Anyway, this agreement says that Salesforce um, can buy, I think it's $100 million mm-hmm. of shares basically at the IPO price. 
I think the it, it was preset. So the IPO process, like I think it's between sixteen and eighteen dollars. And right. Salesforce's agreement is they can buy they're going to buy hundred million at seventeen dollars. So yeah, according to this, they had five million currently, which is five percent less than five percent of their total shares. Okay. But yeah, they will. It's uh, this says they will buy. Not it doesn't say that they can buy. It says they will buy a hundred million. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's kind of sparked uh, some analysts to kind of start speculating whether or not um, Salesforce will eventually just buy Dropbox. Um, well, I mean, what's there, what is Dropbox valued at? I don't know. First of all, it doesn't uh, say what their valuation is. Dropbox. I'm sure, it does. Valuation. Uh, seven billion. I mean, that's yeah, seven point five billion. So that's that's that'd be a lot to digest, wouldn't it? It would, and I'm trying to trying to understand what that would give them that that they wouldn't have that would kind of. It doesn't seem like it would give them much. I I feel, and I, it seems like Dropbox is one of those services that's a nice complement to something like Salesforce. Right. But for Salesforce to own it, as you know, Salesforce, you know, if you look at them, I mean, they're they're an enterprise software company. I mean, I mean, there are clients who are looking for more file storage, uh, especially when they start getting into these markets like health, uh, insurance, and finance. I mean, those mm-hmm. those industries have high just data file requirements, not right. just record data, but files that they have to keep on track. Yep. So I, I have seen more and more clients, you know, looking for offline storage options and integrating that with Salesforce. And so, what do you have? You have Google Drive, Google you Drive, Box. Um, Box um, and there's there's some other I saw someone else talking about one earlier today that was um, a response to some question in, in the Slack and they they mentioned some service that starts with an A I think didn't even, I didn't even recognize it but the, yeah there are these storage solutions that right. you can get I think they're mainly fi- it's it's all file storage you know, or, right. or you know basically block storage or whatever or not mm-hmm. block storage but object storage I guess is what you call it it's not it's not relational storage it's like you can like store your accounts or whatever on this external service at least I don't yeah. think you can. So yeah, I mean, it's it'd be it's it's hard to understand why it would make sense for Salesforce to buy Dropbox, other than just if it was a good investment. Like you can kind of buy it and then leave it alone, just because yeah. you think it's going to appreciate that much, maybe. But I mean, I think Salesforce they already own five percent. I mean, whatever they're going to own after this, um, which is you know a hundred million out of seven billion. What is that like? Another three or four percent or something. So I mean, they'll, they'll own a nice little chunk of Dropbox. Yeah. Yes, I mean, I, I primarily just see it as an investment opportunity. I don't really see them. I don't really agree with the idea that they they would bring them in. I'm not sure that it would give them enough. I mean, there's not enough there. Right, right. Yeah, it, they they own enough to for there to be a nice relationship there. Right. They'll probably they'll probably play nice together. You know, maybe and there will. It probably gives you a little bit more comfort. That's probably going to be you know ongoing decent integration between Dropbox and Salesforce. Yeah, it reminded me one year at Dreamforce they they were talking about this kind of storage thing, and I think they had a partnership with Box at the time, and it was I think it was basically being able to do direct integration with Box from within Salesforce, and it was like this huge thing. And then I don't think it ever materialized, or if it did, it just didn't go anywhere. And Box has always been bigger in enterprise than Dropbox has. Yeah, Dropbox kind of started out focused on consumer, and then started getting into business, whereas Box started out. Pretty much business, yeah, and then moved into enterprise mm-hmm. from there. Um, but I noticed Box has has really started has some competing products with Salesforce in that they have their new Notes system, which I think competes with probably Quip. I think that's a new I that, development. Uh, a paper, right? Dropbox paper. No, Dropbox has paper. Okay, 
But Box has notes as oh, well. Oh, Box. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, like there's there's so many different. You know, you got Quip and Google, the Google products and the Dropbox thing, and, and I don't even know if is Evernote a player in that space at all. Really? Probably not. Yeah. I think a lot of people use it, but I don't, I don't know that a lot of enterprise uses it. The other problem I have, one of my problems with Evernote, and I could do a whole episode about my problems with Evernote, but one of the, you know, it totally, like, it has sync problems pretty often, especially if you use it on the desktop and, like, on your mobile, or if you're doing, if you're sharing things with people, mm-hmm. and it just punts on sync. It just says, nope. It, it doesn't sync, actually. That's its, its conflict resolution strategy is called punt. <laughs> uh, it does not even attempt to say, oh, you added a, you added a bullet at this point in the document, and then uh, John added a bullet at this other point in the document. I sh- cool, I can just totally merge those. They're non-conflicting changes. It doesn't do that. <laughs> well, I mean, sales, Salesforce may not be acquiring Box, but they are going to acquire a Cloud Craze. Yeah. So this is a, um, another e-commerce mm-hmm. company. So they bought, uh, what was the other one? De- Demandware, right? Yeah, I think that's it, yeah. Um, which apparently... You know, Demandware is, they were, they were big. They, their, their customers were big. And I still feel like, you know, the commerce cloud. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if Salesforce has tried to bring that down market, but I always got the, the impression, not, not being a commerce person myself, that cloud create, or it's not cloud create, um, Demandware. Demandware. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, their clients were big customers with big e-commerce stores and stuff like that. So you're thinking that maybe the cloud craze acquisition kind of gives them a, Smaller business option. Well, to offer not necessarily because it's. We're, I think we're talking about two different axes here. So one axis is the size of the the company implementing using the technology, mm-hmm. and with Demandware, that was a those were big companies. It was like you know Adidas and you know whatever these mm-hmm. big um, big companies that were using Demandware for their store, their online stores and stuff. It was Coke those kind of companies? Yeah, but they were but they're B two C. They're selling to. Customers. You know, lots of small customers, right? So that's kind of what it was targeted for. And I get the sense that cloud craze is more, more B2B. B2B. Yeah. Now I'm not now, so that's on 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 the who you're selling to axis, it's yeah, a different in a different space. B2B is quite different than B2C. I mean, B2B, sure. there's you know, you do all kinds of, you can you might have one big important customer that you do, you have a special it, their own store for, but their own configuration, their own pricing, price books and all that stuff, right? Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a big company to use cloud craze. I don't, that's what I, I don't know enough about their typical customer size. Mm-hmm. If they were only marketing to, you know, large businesses or if, you know, small business can, can use them as well. I mean, I, you know, you hear, I've, I've read some of the press releases and whatever, and it, you know, everyone talks about small business, but the truth is, is a lot of companies, they, while they like to talk about small business because they want all those just millions of small businesses as customers, mm-hmm. they really don't do much to cater to them a lot of times. I, think, I actually think that's the trap that Salesforce has fallen into, which, we, there's, a, which are, there's another news item about that whole you know, was, enhancing the cloud. We can into that one too. <laughs> well, we'll talk about that. But anyway, this cloud craze, this is, this is Salesforce's second acquisition this year. They'd already bought um, Attic Labs. Did I miss that? I don't know. Um, and they were, they were, I think they were a little, I think that was a little bit, maybe probably so because it was small. Um, they have some like decentralized database technology. I, I think I totally missed that. It's almost like Git, but databases or maybe, and I don't even know if it was relational data or not. Hmm. 
So this is the second one. Um, that's what they didn't. They didn't ask what they paid for it. I guess they don't have to because CloudCrazy isn't public or something. But um, the the rumors I was hearing was that it was much less than Demandware. So Demandware was like three billion or somewhere along there. I think was it, is that right? Oh, your guess is as good as mine. Okay. I don't remember. And I I feel like I'm, I would guess that um, CloudCrazy is on the order of uh, hundreds of millions, probably. If if that. Well, we'll find out, won't we? In the next statement. This is interesting. I was I read the press release and their their um I guess it's their president or CEO said, and this is the exact quote. So now see if you can catch what's wrong here. Okay. The B2B commerce industry is expected to grow from eight hundred and eighty-nine billion today to one point two trillion by two thousand twelve, and capturing this opportunity has never been more important for business. I'm supposed to find something wrong with that? <laughs> you missed it. It's gonna grow from eight hundred and eighty-nine billion today. To 1.2 trillion by 2012. That was six years ago. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if it's supposed to be 2022. Maybe <laughs> I get it now. See, don't don't let me I edit know. your stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's my point. There are no editors anymore, except for I don't know. I think really, I mean, who still has editors? Like New York Times and Wall Street Journal. That's about it. <laughs> Selective editing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's. Part of the gig, <laughs> yeah. So, so demand wars a couple of years ago, um, which was you know again mainly mainly B two C. Now Salesforce is filling in this B two B thing, and I mean I guess that was a big gap. Mm. Um, if if you needed, um, I guess online stores and things for, you know, if you're like it's just if your model is you sell to businesses, especially bigger businesses, so you have much fewer customers, but with much more um, unique. And custom like customized needs for each customer. I think that's what uh, I think that's what the solution is going to get you. Hmm. They already have um, cloud cloud craze already already counts two familiar customers um, that we're familiar with. One Coca Cola, the other Adidas, or or Adidas as the Brits like to say. I won't give them a hard time for that. And, and also, uh, interesting fact, CloudCraze is supposedly built on Salesforce, the Salesforce platform. I don't know how much or to what degree, but that's the, that's the claim. I guess it, it was, uh, did you know this? No. Yeah. So it's all, is it on, it's is considered it, a native. Is it on the, I don't know. Fully native or? I, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I didn't see the term fully native, so who knows. But I think this is, it seems like this makes sense. So assuming that Salesforce had this B2B gap in the commerce space that people are saying or that, you know they're, they're claiming. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think this is a good acquisition because I'm guessing they didn't pay a whole lot for it compared to Salesforce's size, and I think they'll be able to monetize it immediately. I think I think they'll immediately. I mean, as soon as the I don't know when the deal closes, maybe it already did, but as soon as it closes, they're going to be selling the solution because it's again assuming it's already on the platform. Also, right? It's just it's ready to go, just like. Steelbrick was. They had. They walked into Benioff's office. <laughs> <laughs> they were and it was, and it was all lightning. lightning, right? <laughs> they were built on lightning already. <laughs> and he was sold. He said, "I'm going to buy that." In fact, <laughs> they oh, were but, lightning first. I think was the phrase, weren't they? There we go. I'm willing to buy anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know the sales were this funny. I mean, he said that, but they really slowed down their acquisitions. What did they buy last year? Nothing. I don't even remember. Probably a bunch of small stuff. I feel like I mean, um, we, we, 
In fact, Demand War was 2016, right? It all started to blend together. And what was it, 2014 or was it 15 where they did like a dozen in a year? You have a. You have we're going to segue to something. What we're going to segue to? Well, there's the Cloud Essentials thing. Oh, yeah, the Cloud Essentials. That's right. Are we done with the yeah. Cloud Craze? We're done with Cloud Craze. The Craze is over. Craze is over. All right. So, so this Cloud Essentials was an existing thing, and I didn't even know that. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. What? Tell me what you know about or what it what it has been up to this point, because I truly have no idea. Well, I, the only thing I, I remember hearing Essentials, and it was late last year, like around December or something. I, think I just I remember all the my it was the my Salesforce, the my Trailhead, the my communities or whatever. Do you remember those when they yeah yeah they announced all those at once? Yeah. But I remember it, and I I didn't pay much attention to it because, from my understanding, at least from was that it was going to be like that? Because they they when they consolidated everything, I think they got rid of like the group edition or something like that, and they had just the professional edition. And I think this adds on what group used to be, which is basically a very minimal, like you don't get certain point and clicky things. Obviously, no code type stuff. So it's just essentials, just a way to get Salesforce. There's no, I th- maybe you can even just buy it with a credit card. I don't know, but <laughs> the question to me that then is like, well, what's really different about this than group edition? Um, what is this? Okay. Uh, so initially it was initially Salesforce or what's it called? Sales cloud? No. What's it called? It's essentials? Salesforce essentials? Mm-hmm. What's the name of it? It's essentials. Okay. That was initially of sales cloud lightning. Okay. And now they're calling it, they're adding sales cloud essentials and service cloud ed- uh, essentials. And each one of them is $25 a user a month. Mm-hmm. So if you just want sales cloud essentials, twenty five bucks a month. I mean that's along there with group, right? What I oh read, there's a cap I'm reading, yeah. Oh wow. It says essentials is priced at twenty five dollars per user per month for teams up to ten people, which is fifty less per per user than professional versions. Yeah, what a lot less. Yeah, what's this fifty dollars less? Yeah, yeah, because I think professional is seventy five. Unless you're a great negotiator. Um, you know they've they've tried this the segment before they've had group right but they also did um desk.com which was what was that assistly and uh and salesforce iq which mm-hmm. both of those they are now this is this is where i'll put my conspiracy hat on which i always keep convenient <laughs> it's a little tinfoil so as a part if you read about six paragraphs down on the press release for this mm-hmm. they mentioned that they are Oh, by the way, we're also re- retiring desktop.com and Salesforce IQ. Thank you for being a customer. You can migrate between now and March 2020. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things like yeah. small, small print. So maybe this is a really a way for Salesforce to retire those two things, but disguise as like a rebranding of essentials or almost like another just like it, it's like you know when the company's open and then they have their official grand opening it's like oh I thought you've been open for six months oh we have but we just you know we didn't have our grand opening until now oh, okay huh. it's like the grand opening of Cloud Essentials now <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like like a relaunch of it but um, and you're right I that's like the very last thing that gets mentioned is is oh and by the way Sales, yeah. Salesforce IQ and Desk is going away and I also couldn't figure out because I've seen conflicting stuff on this some people were saying that y- you cannot use App. there's no App Exchange. With Sales Cloud or with the Essentials product, you cannot use App Exchange. And yeah. then, but then some said, no, you can. In fact, here's a 
here's what one person said. Almost all significant apps in the App Exchange cannot be used with Essentials or Professional Edition due to licensing and feature constraints. Customers are required to upgrade to Enterprise Edition. Salesforce CPQ is a perfect example. Significantly limits the value except to those to the smallest of companies. Which, you know, Salesforce argue with that, too. We're talking to this, too. The smallest of companies. Mm-hmm. But even, here's my thing. Even the smallest of companies. I mean, I've done crazy stuff for, like, companies of that have two people using Salesforce. Yeah. Um, and they they were on, like, full-on enterprise with all kinds of integrations and stuff. So, size of company doesn't, to me, necessarily... And I've seen companies with, in the, you know, well into the hundreds of seats that use, like, professional and were fine with it. Or they had enterprise and didn't do any enterprise stuff with it. It was just super simple implementation and it worked for their business. I mean, size to me doesn't. And you know, Salesforce, they have to have some way to stratify. You know, this goes back to if you ever, if you like took uh, like marketing and pricing strategy and stuff in college, but you have to weigh, you have to have a way to stratify your customers. You can't just say, oh, here's our product and it's $100 a month. Because the problem with that is some of the customers in the market are willing to pay 200 a month. So you don't want to leave all that, that extra $100 a month on the table. Mm-hmm. You want to capture that. Some customers are only, can only pay 25 bucks a month. So what do you do? How do you, how do you get as much money from you can from all these people who are willing to pay you different amounts? You stratify your market. Yeah. And, and the, the, the way that Salesforce chose to stratify is by, and this is common, I'm not saying this is wrong or, or there's a better way to do it, is by like feature set. Mm-hmm. And by assuming that small companies would never want to do an integration or would never want to have an app exchange app from a partner or things like that. Well, I guess. I mean, if there's, you have to stratify somehow, but that it just. They're it's, not arguing that because you, you can only pay $25 a month that you, that you don't want to do that. They're just arguing that if, you, if that's really something you want, then you have, to, you have to pony up for the bigger system. Right, right. And, and, I, guess to, and I guess Salesforce's argument would be that. Um, yeah, you can get those features. In fact, we'll sell you a two-user enterprise. They'll do that. Two users on enterprise, no, not a problem. Well, you're not going to get any discounts. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you will. But but because you're because you need all that value, and that's actually va- highly valuable to your business, you should totally be willing to pay the price for it. Yeah. So so maybe I mean, I don't know. While Salesforce stratifies kind of by business size, they don't limit. There's not a te- there's not a litmus test. Oh, you want to buy unlimited? Well, hmm. What's your what's your annual revenue? Oh, you're not at a hundred million dollars a year yet. Um, we can't sell you unlimited. They don't do that. There's no test. Right. You know, they'll sell you whatever you want. I mean, they're going to try to upsell you, obviously. But so I guess that's fair enough. You know, you can you can uh, buy whatever service makes sense for you. That also becomes kind of a, a bit of a gateway for them as well. I mean, if someone's only Dude, got twenty five dollars, how many a month times today? have you seen customers that buy professional and then? Like the next thing they do is like, yeah. oh my god, we got to go to enterprise. Yeah, because they don't realize how limiting it is. I mean, so it's it's a very valid and real strategy. I mean, to to collect these twenty five dollar a month deal, deals because eventually they will <laughs> want to do something. I've always said that <laughs> they're going to go to Dreamforce. They're going to get all full of Kool Aid and go. We're going on enterprise tomorrow. Yeah. This is awesome. <laughs> I've always said that Salesforce doesn't actually intend for anyone to use professional. Mm-mm. <laughs> It's, it's, not, their, it's, it's not their gateway drug. It's, it's not like, usable. They're on the corner going, come yeah. on, just taste. Here you go. It's not usable. <laughs> and it, because the truth is, if you if all you need really need is is professional, then there are way better CRM solutions for you out there than Salesforce professional is. You know, if you I'm, need I'm an, so if you need the, enterprise, if that's where you're at, you need enterprise, then I, in my opinion, Salesforce is actually one of the best solutions out there. 
I'm actually just not in tune with the CRM market at all. I I couldn't tell you that I couldn't compare Salesforce with another CRM. I'm just I'm just not in tune with it. You and ninety nine point nine 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 eight percent of all other <laughs> Salesforce consultants. Yeah. Well, at least I'm honest about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's still a shop or two out there that are still trying to straddle that, you know, Oracle and Salesforce or, uh, you know, Microsoft and Salesforce. Yeah. I've not seen those models work out very well, though. Really? I think, I'm, I'm sure like Accenture does and whatever, but just because they're big enough. Yeah. I mean, you'd think I would at least be a breadth, a breadth, a breadth? Breadth? A breast. A breast? A breast of their... Ab- of, of their biggest competitor, or at least what I assume their biggest competitor is Microsoft, um, but I'm, I'm not. Dynamics. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, I don't have time. That's the thing. There's just not enough time. The systems are too big. Right, they are. I mean, and how can... I, mean, I see people try to do it sometimes, but I just don't think you can do it very well. How can you be informed enough on a platform as big as Salesforce and a platform as big as Microsoft to be able to consult? Like, to give, like, a true... Cons- I mean, like, true mm-hmm. consulting. Like, when you're... you're, you're your product is your expertise, right? right. Um, how can you how can you do that? I used to actually think it could be done, but the I think maybe if you have two different teams and each one focuses on that, and yeah. But maybe how there's... can you have that person that actually consults that tells you whether you should go? Let me, someone has to figure out. Okay, do we sell you our Microsoft team or our Salesforce team? Oh yeah, that's still a problem. That's a problem. <laughs> maybe you maybe you could maybe you set up a debate. And the two teams, like, <laughs> you know, have like three representatives each. They nominate and they uh-huh. debate each other with a client in the middle. That does not sound fun <laughs> at all. Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be a good service. Maybe we should offer. That's how we're going to get rich. We'll offer that service. <laughs> uh, what else? Um, hmm. Yeah, I already covered that. Um, yeah, that's like you know this essential thing. It's it's like Salesforce. It's like, it's almost like an admission that their previous small business tools weren't up to scratch, mm-hmm. up to snuff. Plus, I don't know, I'd, I'd maybe, plus, maybe those services just aren't getting enough traction. Like people are just they're not yes. really signing on a lot of and, new clients and and Desk and Salesforce IQ did not run on the Salesforce platform, I believe. And so this is also a way for them to weed continue to weed out things that don't run on their platform. Although they keep adding things like. Cloud craze. <laughs> well, no, cloud craze does play on the yeah. platform. Yeah. So, what? What are the ones? So, what are the big ones that don't? Uh, demandware, right? Um, and marketing, well, marketing, marketing cloud. cloud. That's the big one. marketing cloud. The biggest one. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pardot too. Pardot doesn't. It's not native. Mm-mm. Yeah. And it does kind of suck to have to deal with that type of integration and features that don't carry over and yeah. weird tricks like, oh, we got to have a field that copies this field over here so Pardot can see it. Yay. <laughs> Would you like a little bit more, John? I shouldn't. I, I said I shouldn't, and Jeremy grabs my glass from my hand. What do you think of it? That's good. I do get the strawberries. I, d- I do get that. I feel like I used more. I think I used 12 pounds of strawberries this time instead of nine on my previous batch, but I feel like the previous batch had more strawberry flavor. Should do a grape soda one. <laughs> Just so I can make you right. Yeah. So I can be right once. You can say, actually, this tastes like grape soda. <laughs> <laughs> and it won't be a joke. All right. Well, I had um, I had a final thing here. This is just for fun. And then whatever you have after that. But All right. these are the, uh, and I don't even know where this is from, some website. Top 10 programming languages and skills 
and high demand for open source development roles. Oh, this is according to Indeed. Okay. So for people who do who get paid to do open source development, mm-hmm. top 10 programming languages in order with the most in descending order, I guess. Number one. Actually, I think I want to make you guess. Hang on. Hang on. Languages? You can do this open right. Source? You can do this right, John. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. So what's the question? Top 10 programming languages and skills, languages or skills that are in high demand for open source development roles. Uh, Number one, most in demand if you're an open source developer. C Sharp. Java. C Sharp would not even be on that list, right? Open source. Oh. oh I mean, open source languages, not languages used to build open not, source. Not necessarily open source languages. Just languages and skills if you are working in open source. So does that mean the language has to be open source? Probably, but not necessarily. Well, yeah, like definitely Java's Java. not definitely Well, Java. Java's not open source. I mean, you have the, uh, the open JDK implementation of the VM, but the language itself, I believe, is copyrighted by Oracle. And there's the whole JCP, but uh, I don't know. That's I think you have to be a lawyer to know the answer to that. All right. Number two. I will say this is also a programming language. Number two. Go. <laughs> Good guess. Python. Ah, uh, I was actually going to say Python, and you know I, I, I went, no, it's probably Go. Okay, you know what? I'm going to just brief interlude here. My favorite is I'm, I'm, I'm just, I've got this stack of languages that I really, like, I can get anything done with this stack. That's the work I do. I'm loving, the, I'm loving this situation right now. Kotlin, Python, and JavaScript. I knew Python. I didn't know Kotlin was one of yours. What? I've been talking about it for a month now. <laughs> or longer than that, actually. I probably actually a year. To you. Oh, Kotlin's great. <clears throat> uh, JavaScript's got to be like number four. It's, it is four. But we skipped three. <laughs> you got four. Okay. Oh, I thought I got... I thought it was... Uh, Python was number two. Python, Go, and JavaScript. No, Go's not on the list. Oh, it's not. No. Okay. Python's uh, number two. JavaScript is number four. All right, I got one. Three. Now, this is not... I'll tell you, this is not a language. It's a tool. Three is a tool? Yeah. Jeez. Like an S like an ugh. Like an IDE could tool? Be a, could or be a, an SDK, could be a framework, could be a version control thing, could be, you know, whatever. Oh, mm-hmm. Angular? Git. Oh, Git. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Before you got JavaScript, um five. Uh like number five. That number five is a a framework. Ugh. That's more of a platform. It's a platform, I guess. Platform, and it and it's related to number four, which was JavaScript. Node. Yep. Um, number six is kind of a tool, I guess. Also, but I'm going to give you a hint. <laughs> when you say kind of a tool, I feel like you're insulting it. You're yeah. kind of a tool language. I'm going to I'm going to give you a hint, John. Docker lightweight containers. <laughs> um, could it be? Uh, let's see, Oracle. What? <laughs> oh, I was all ready to give you a ding. Ah. Docker, the lightweight container. Yay. You have to say the lightweight container. You right. can't just say Docker, though. All right. Well, let me just, I'll just run through these final ones. So seven. It's Angular. Angular JS. I wonder if they're. I wonder if they are. Is that just another dis- branding? I know what they're distinguishing between Angular JS and all the subsequent Angulars. You know, so the first version of Angular was called Angular JS. Starting with version two, they rebranded to Angular, and then now right. it's just Angular. So now they're on, I think, version five. Um, it's just Angular. I wonder. Anyway, uh, number eight, Jenkins, which is a um, uh, most popular CI. kind of ten, yeah, yeah CI tool. Uh, number nine, AWS, 
<laughs> and number 10, Agile. Agile? Yeah. It's a thing, man. I'll tell you, this, this Agile thing is going to take off one of these days. <laughs> I'll, I'll... And, and even you Salesforce consultants are going to be forced to get on the bandwagon. <laughs> I'll see it when I believe it. All right. <laughs> All right, John. Well, I did horrible on that one. No, you did okay. You guessed, you guessed one. It's a lot of pressure. I tried to cheat, but I couldn't. I didn't cheat right enough. All right, are we wrapping up here. Um, there was just one other thing I want to talk about. Um, and then I thought we could do some after show. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about yeah, no, one topic. Yeah. Okay. What's our final thing? Um, By the way, the first rule of after show: you don't talk about after show. Well, if I don't tell you about it, then you end the show and then we don't do an after show. No, we don't have to end it. It's not like I hit the stop button immediately. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. Yeah. All it's right. like I thought we we're going to have an after show. You're like, oh, I got to go. Okay. So we may not, may or may not have this secret <laughs> thing called an after show after this show. Fine. I won't mention it ever again. <laughs> All I'll right. Just give you the signal for Final after topic, show. John. Final this topic. This is the signal for after show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be the signal for it. <laughs> Let me get a photo of you doing that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it, I, Jesus, can't talk. <laughs> Try again. Start over. Start over. Back it up. Beep, beep, beep. I've only had one beer. Well, you've had two today, actually. No, it's just the one. Oh, no. You're right. <laughs> Lunch. Yeah. Oh, that one's, surely that one's worn off by now. That was like four hours ago. Yeah. No, I got to use uh, Lightning Style Sheets. So I thought I'd share my experience with using that A- LSS? on the page. LSS. <laughs> So in in Visual Force, you now you can now do this, or you can you can add this attribute to your page tags, your Apex page tag, um, called Lightning Style Sheet, and you add that in. And what it's supposed to do is take your page and make it look like Lightning. And there you go, you're you're on Lightning now. It looks like Lightning. It take it take. What does it take and make it look like Lightning? So your your standard Visual Force pages will be styled. Oh with yes, the yes. Lightning okay, so it's system. actually the, so it's it's CSS that's targeted to Visual Force mock uh, markup. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not for you just to use on your website or whatever. It's it's for right. Visual Force Markup. Right. Okay. It's kind of just, but that was fun. Have you seen Visual Force Markup? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? Yes, I have. Okay. And it does not work very well. Uh, well, what would you expect? <laughs> it's Visual Force. Yeah. I mean, you get some. You get the you get the font. You get the line colors, and you get certain things styled for you. Text boxes look great. I mean, it's um, probably the eighty percent, right? It, it's very much the eighty yeah. percent. So things, certain things, especially. Uh, Components like date components or selects, dropdowns, whatever you want to call them, um, those don't get styled very well. And that's mainly because of just browser implementation. Well, heck, the, the date picker opens up in a new browser window, doesn't it, in Visual Force? Or is it not? No, no. It's got a oh, little... What was it the other day? Some, the, other, the other day I was doing something in, in a new, like a browser well, it window might. popped up. It there. might. I don't think it is. I don't think it is anymore. I think it's, it's not a browser window. But something the other day I saw that I was like, oh, wow. Funny, Salesforce is still, still doing a, a browser window for this. Well, it doesn't change behavior. So it just all it does is it's just a layer of CSS that kind of tries to restyle things so it looks compatible with Lightning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's kind of it's, it's like the uncanny value of, valley of Lightning. It's like it kind of looks like Lightning, but there's something wrong there. You know, it's a way for you to tell your boss, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to embark on this long-term effort to upgrade everything we've done over the past 10 years to lightning, right? And so you take <laughs> two weeks off <laughs> and you go on a vacation, but your boss thinks you're working and then you just add one, one mm-hmm. link uh, element to the top of your HTML head. Pretty much. 
<laughs> Lightningifies all of your uh, all of your visuals. That takes a devious mind, but that's a pretty yeah. good idea. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> don't ever say you don't you didn't get any good tips on the show, okay? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it works. It works okay. I mean, it's enough to kind of get you there, and so that it kind of looks like it, and you know, but it doesn't really change the behavior of certain things. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. Certain things don't look very well. So I mean, I, I still pretty much still use the Lightning Design System as much as I can. I will enable it just to. Like if I want to use like an input field or something, but even then it's, you know, it's, it's, I might as well just use the basic HTML tag and let it style. Yeah. It. It's, it's, yeah, it's super low effort and relatively quick win. If you want to kind of make your visual force look like that, look like yeah. lightning. Cause right now, I mean, there's the contrast is so stark. That's, it's probably, I mean, meant, you know, mentally or I guess psychologically, it's probably, I mean, just flip that thing on and it's probably less of a, if you've gone to lightning and your users are, are, you know, you're you're flipping your users back and forth between lightning and then your visual force stuff. It's, yeah. pro- it's probably you know it's probably less of a jarring experience to to if you turn this thing on. Yeah. So I mean, my advice, at least from my experiences, is is definitely don't start a new visual force page and go. I'm just going to use the lightning tag. I'm going to build this and it's going to be all great. No, go ahead and build it in lightning. Yeah. I mean this this is really a feature to kind of help you enable things that you're just not ready to move yet, and yet you want to have a somewhat of a consistent look and feel across your system. Turn it on. You'll get you'll get a little bit out of it, but if you want to get serious about making things compatible, you'll definitely want to transition to Lightning on those pages. So, so I thought I'd just share my experience. It's not the it's not yeah. a it's not a bullet that will fix your visual no. force woes when it comes to Lightning. You know, as Fred Brooks taught us, there is no silver bullet. Yeah, regardless of what the enterprise and and tool enterprise software companies and tool providers will always tell us. Despite what they would tell us, there is no silver bullet. <laughs> all right, uh, so that's wrapping up the show. Uh, we've talked about our Slack several times. If you would like to participate in our Slack and just converse or or uh, lurk or whatever, uh, we're fun people. We're nice. We don't bite. We have men and women, probably more men than women. So, hey, if you're uh, of the uh, female persuasion and listening to this, we'd, we'd love to improve our ratio as uh, everyone else seems to want to do. How would a female do that john <laughs> there's there's no secret door you just go to www.gooddayserpodcast.com you mean we don't have like a pink web page that's for the women so the women know what you know what to click on where to go no no we didn't because that would be sexist that would be jeremy and i'm surprised you even mentioned it i i've just thought about it for a second and i rejected it immediately <laughs> gooddayserpodcast.com forward slash community or just go to gooddayserpodcast.com and click on community put in your email address i do manually add people in so be patient with me sometimes i'm sleeping sometimes i'm grabbing some coffee but i do my best to stay on top yeah, of it because you usually don't sleep and you usually don't eat meals so should be pretty fast should be pretty fast <laughs> uh what else um, share us yeah like share us, us. Uh, we, reviews please leave us a review those are great and I would like to thank everyone who's ever left us a review or even just click the stars yeah, uh, we really appreciate we, we appreciate those um, you know Apple pays us $100 every time leaves us, someone leaves us a review so we always like getting that actually you know, I, it helps keep the show going I actually pay to get <laughs> consolidated reviews and we haven't gotten any so I'm, I'm, I'm in the hole here people give me some reviews I know. <laughs> yeah it's not very hard to consolidate zero reviews is it no um. Yeah. What else? Um. This month we'll be at uh, we trailhead. That's right. Yeah, a couple weeks. Um. We're gonna do something Friday. We're we're trying to put together a list of uh kind of like potential like places we can hang out. Or yeah. Whatever, I put up a put a, a list together. I need to get that to Jeremy so he can help me decide. And then and then the next step will be put up a poll 
so people can kind of help us mm. decide. Uh, we on, might, yeah. Or I might just. Uh, oh, do you just want to? Might just you know pull the dictator just to make card the, and pick. the executive decision. Yeah. I don't know. We'll right. see. Well, we'll figure I do want. I do want to get a number of people that may or may attend because if it's a certain size, I may need to call ahead and say, "Hey, I'm true. Bring in twenty people." Yeah. Because it is San Francisco, places tend to be small. Yeah. And we have an email address if you want to uh, give us feedback or just let us know how good or bad or or send us topics. Whatever don't topics like are good too. Yeah, we, we don't like what we've been talking about. Yeah. If you uh, our questions, we'll you know if you want us to read on the on the show. Well, that's that's always fun. Info at gooddayserpodcast dot com. I think that's it, John. Yeah. And for the event details, I did update the website this time. As Jeremy likes to give me a hard time about not updating the website, so. It, TheExtracurricular.org for more details on Trailhead and the event. And to that, I say good day, sir. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. And it's the after show. It's an Easter egg. Now that stuff I said is on. No, I'll cut that out. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's, I know you've you've got some, uh, you got a new tech product, John, that you would like to talk about. I did. What'd you get? I got the ear, the the AirPods? Yep. The AirPods or AirPods? AirPods. AirPods. AirPods are the ones with uh, the cords. These are AirPods. Oh, yeah. I don't like them. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't like them. Um, so one of my issues is I is not only is one of my ears lower than, than the other, it you turns need, out... You just need to lift your head up. It turns out one of them is smaller or bigger or now something. But you've not noticed it on any other headset or ear, earbuds that go in your ear? I have. With the ear pods, mm-hmm. but I always thought that that was just the cord pulling on them, like when I turned my head. But with these, I can definitely feel them kind of like just moving out. Oh. But it's only this left, this right ear. <laughs> the left side fits perfectly. It goes in, it stays in, it's it's comfortable. It's this left one that it just kind of, pu- it, I push it in and it kind of slides out. It doesn't fall out, but it just kind of slides out a little bit. I've always said you were a little off balance. So I thought, okay. They make these little things that you can put on your ear pods that will like, it's they're the little hooks mm. that kind yep. of re- reminiscent of the bows that I wear. Yep. And so I'm waiting for those to come in and I'm sitting there looking at my case and going, crap, I'm going to have to take those off every time I want to charge my earbuds. They don't have any that are made that it will fit in there when they're charging? I mean, I could put them in. I just wanted to close the lid. You won't be able to. Okay. Yeah. Cause, and you really do need to put those, well, for, you really need, every time you take them off, you need to put them in their case. Number yeah. one, because if you don't, you'll lose them. You'll, you'll end up losing one somewhere. Um, and they also need to, char- you know, this has about 10 times the battery that are built into the actual earpods themselves. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the battery of life on those isn't real long. I mean, I can, if I, I can hit, I can kill the batteries in those if I, you know, within halfway through my day. Yeah. So I'm always putting them back in here and then they, they pretty much just stay charged. So yeah, yeah you really, you really have to put them in that case. Which is, again, the other thing. You always have to carry this. This floss thing has got to be with you everywhere you go. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and I go back to kind of your review of them when you were talking about them. And I do like the fact that there's no cord. Yeah. I can get up. I, like, I was on a conference call the other day. I was on mute, of course. My wife had left to go to the store, and my son is screaming. He's not screaming, but he's calling. Mm-hmm. And he's been calling for like five minutes. And I'm like, what is he doing? What's going on? So I got up, went and checked, and turns out he got stranded in the bathroom because... There was no toilet paper. Oh. So I was able to kind of grab that and do that. But had I not had the wireless, I was stuck there. There's nothing I could have done to you help have, him. Oh, you, was it connected to your computer? Yeah. You don't, you, There's okay. a go-to. Let me ask you this. When it's connected to your computer, do you also have a Bluetooth keyboard and a Bluetooth trackpad connected yes. to your computer? And you don't have that problem that I was having? I cannot 
connected to my computer. If if I do, and it's there's an and the app it uses the microphone on them, mm-hmm. then that's when like my keyboard, mouse, everything just starts crapping out. I did have issues, but the, it seemed like it was prioritizing my keyboard and mouse over my earbuds. So there was times where my earbuds were starting to stutter. Yep. Um, so I did have that issue. Okay. Uh, I, and, I, I cannot, unfortunately, I cannot. I, that's why I look at this. I keep this on my desk for that purpose. Yeah. So, <laughs> ding. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't, I, I do like them because they're wireless and because I, I can't wait, get up didn't I? Until the version two comes out. Yeah, but I figured, you know what, I I kind of need, I wanted them because the way I set up my office now that I don't, not officing here with you, right? is um, my, my laptop is actually behind my monitor on a stand. And so the way I sit on my desk with the tray, with the keyboard tray pulled out is I'm further back from my screen, mm-hmm. which is better for my eyes and everything else. But that means that the cord for my headphones doesn't reach. So I thought, well, you know what, I'll, I'll deal with, you know, some minor issues with these AirPod, AirPods or AirPods, AirPods, and I'll just get them and, and, you know, at least I'll be able to sit here comfortably and yeah. ergonomically and be right. able to just work and, and, you know, have music or whatever. Uh, and that part does work. That part is nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if it's, you had, you had, what version of OS do you have? The previous one, whatever that so was. So Sierra or before Sierra? Because there's Sierra and High Sierra. I have, I have Sierra. Yeah, Sierra. Yep. See, I wonder if it's Sierra because I don't remember having these issues before. But then it, I, I also upgraded to Sierra when I got this laptop, so I don't know if it's this laptop where because I don't remember having this many issues with Bluetooth. Yeah, I'm, I've always had the issue with my keyboard or mouse. A couple of times a week, will drop out for about it'll disconnect. I'll even say disconnected, but about two yeah. seconds later, it comes right back, and it's right. it's it's infrequent enough that it's very minor annoyance. Right. The AirPods. If I've got those connected and something engages the microphone on them, mm-hmm. um, it just kills the whole Bluetooth system. I mean, just everything starts going nuts. Yeah. <clears throat> and I was having that problem when I would hook up, because I have the Alexa tower, so it's got a speaker built into it, and I would hook that up to do audio. Cancel. <laughs> the Echo. Yeah. I used to have the Echo tower. And um, I would also have issues with that, because that connects through Bluetooth, and I would also have issues with Bluetooth. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if it's hardware if it's these laptops and the Bluetooth hardware on here, or if it's the OS. I don't either. How are you finding the range? The range is pretty good. I actually, from my office to the back of my house, which is basically going all the way into my master bedroom, into the bathroom, mm-hmm. that's the furthest point, and that's where it cuts off. It does cut off there? Yeah. Okay. So I can't go poop when I'm on a conference okay. call. Okay, well, that's probably a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, the range is pretty good. I'm really happy with the range. And it's weird because it cuts out, but everything still seems connected. So I, I'll walk into the to the bathroom, it cuts out, but then I'll walk back to where I'm in range and it just picks up right where it left yep. off. Yep. It, but it doesn't seem to disconnect. Like I don't hear the speakers going right. in my office. Right. And I don't know if there's a timeout period that's like, a, it'll give you like 15 or 30 seconds to get back in range or whatever. Yeah. But I, yeah, if you come back with, in range within a certain amount of time, it, yeah, it's like it... It's, it's like, like it, nothing happened. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Yep. Um, so yeah, so I mean... It's not ready for prime time. I, I think it can and will get better, but yeah, there, there's a lot of rough edges on this one. Agree. And, you know, and I, and of course I'm, I don't know, it's probably my old man sausage fingers, but like I even find that, you know, half the time when I'm, tr- I open this up and I'm trying to get them out, like I'll drop them because they're just, they're so small. And like, and in fact, when they're in here, like there's only a little part of it. It's like the tip of the iceberg is explained. You have to try to like <laughs> try to grab it and get it. And then it's like, and then it comes out and I fumble it and drop it on the floor. It's like, yeah. it's kind of, I don't know. Putting them in is kind of satisfying because it's kind of magnetic and just kind of that's true. You just kind of toss it in, 
but yeah, pulling them out, it's it's kind of it's a little awkward. So. And it takes you know it takes both of your hands. If you've got something else, you got to put it down. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, don't know. I mean, there's there's things that are that are good about it that are like okay, that's pretty impressive. I mean, there are impressive aspects mm-hmm. of it, but there are some some issues. Well, yeah, I mean, being able to take one off and one still be on. So, I mean, kind of doing that kind of switching on conference and calls. You the, charge one and use one, and then switch it out, and you can extend your life. The other problem that that you you got to consider that they have to solve because human ears are incredibly sensitive um, to even even just things being like you know you. We're, we're hearing things and like, what are they, what's like a typical sampling rate on the computer? Like 44,000. I think once you get up to like, well, like, like a lot of people like 96 kilohertz, right? Um, sampling rate. Mm-hmm. That's 96,000 times a second that you're sampling the audio level so that we can't tell that there's, that it's a digital signal versus true, a true normal analog signal, right? Mm-hmm. That's how sensitive our ears are. Is it that you've got to do that many cycles per second? Think about this. These are not connected, John. These are independently receiving the signal from the device and having to play them completely synchronized. Now, they're not operating at 96,000. They're probably operating at, it, it may even be less than 44.1. But anyway, it's, it's minimum probably 20 to 30,000 kilohertz. I bet it's, I bet it's 44.1. Hmm. And, and it just nails it. They just nail it. You wouldn't know that it's not a cable that these are connected <laughs> to each other. Yeah. Is there any other headset that has separated, no cable attached between the two? There are. There are. Yeah. Okay. I think Bose has some, Sony has some, Google has some, I think, too. Yeah. So I don't know if each of these is, here's what I'm guessing happens. One of them is actually communicating to the device, and then then they're communicating to each other, maybe? Well, they both have a chip, so I'm, I'm wondering if they can just that's be, That's because you can leave one behind. But I think if you have both of them, I'm guessing one of them takes over. Maybe. Just like when you have them both in, and if you're, if you're talking, if the microphone's turned on, only one of the mics is on. Mm. To yeah, power. I've been surprised. I mean, I've had them on, and people don't even know that I have a headset on. So you know, my, my theory that I have to have a mic directly in front of my mouth for people to hear me doesn't seem to play well, because, I mean, that... They hear me pretty really well. I'm surprised I haven't done this, but I never actually recorded samples of myself with this and not compared them to the ear pods. Because I feel like the ear pod, actually for the even for the price, what are these 20 bucks or 30 bucks? They're really good. This microphone is yeah. pretty, it's got significant mic uh noise canceling on the microphone. Yeah. And I don't know if the I don't know if the AirPods are as good or not. Yeah, I don't know. That'd be, that'd be an interesting test. One other thing that I found I did not like and it it um, almost caused me to throw a fit, some road rage fit, is um, I was getting, I had directions playing on my phone, and I had audio playing too. And so usually what happens is when I get directions, the audio kind of kind of goes down, and then Siri comes in and says, oh, turn in you know, the next two miles or something. Well, the somehow the headphones got disconnected, but my directions were still playing, so it would kind of lower from zero nothing playing and it would lower and Siri would be almost, you couldn't barely hear her and I couldn't get her back until I replayed music so that she would, her volume would go back up. I've had, so you're, you're going to notice more and more little glitches like that. What do you have the glitch that it immediately turns your volume up to 100%? No, I've had that. You've had that too? Yes. Now that I'm surprised Apple hasn't been sued for like a class action lawsuit. That's really dangerous from a legal perspective. Yeah. And I I thought it was my watch. I thought I was maybe I was, you know, spinning the dial accidentally. But it's not. It, it, it's not. Yep, I know because I do accidentally sometimes spin the dial. Yeah, and that will adjust the volume. But no, these are that just happened too many times where I know I didn't touch my watch, and it goes immediately to one hundred percent. Yeah, 
Well, that was the other thing. When I have directions, my watch has the directions as well, and it's yeah. tapping me. Mm. But that means I can't control volume with my watch, right? which is how I primarily yep. control volume. So now I'm fumbling to my phone trying to adjust the volume because I either can't hear or something. You kind of miss that, just that little dangly that's got the microphone, yeah. uh, the volume. Exactly. Yeah. And even then, my, my device is older. It's, it's the iPhone 6, which isn't that old. I shouldn't be having these problems. But Isn't that like four or five years old? That's pretty old, man. I don't know. It's a six? Yeah. It's probably three. Oh, okay. Maybe it's four. I don't know. Either way, everything from my watch to my phone seems to respond really slowly. So every time I tap to get Siri, it's like a minute later before she responds. Yeah. And I get in this yeah. loop where I'm talking, but she's not registering because she stopped listening by the time I got the notification or something. And so I'm just yelling at that point. Yep. Frustrated. So I don't even need use Siri. It's just so frustrating. No, I try to. I try to be responsible. And so like if you text me, I'll, I'll be like, like that's text being Jeremy responsible? Oh, or, I see what or, you're saying. You know, yeah. skip to the next song or something along those lines. You know, I try to try not to be doing stuff on my phone while I'm driving. Yeah. So um, so there that's that. Have you <laughs> we don't have to really get into this, but I've been hearing about this thing and it sounds more like a cult, like a fad. But I'm thinking about trying it. I don't know when, but I need like a good stretch of time where I'm not traveling or I don't have a lot of responsibilities. But I think I want to try polyphasic sleep. Okay, tell me what this is. So multiple, that means multiple phase, right? Yeah, so essentially you're cutting your sleep down from, say, two to four hours. And then you, you give yourself naps throughout the day. And apparently like the first two weeks, you're just a zombie. But after that, you're, you adjust to the sleep cycle and it gives you more time in the day because I feel like I never have enough time. And so it gives you more time in the day. And then eventually you're able to reach REM sleep faster and all those kind of things. So there's, I still have to do a lot more research and see if this is really hmm. a thing. But some of the cons, I don't know if I can handle the cons. Like they say, can't have alcohol because it really throws everything off. Yeah, um, deal breaker. <laughs> you have to be on your cycle. So if it really impacts yeah, your social life. What am I, a woman life. now? You have, it impacts your social life. So like, I don't want to cycle. <laughs> so you can't, you can't just... They use the example of you have to ask someone to pause Netflix or something so you can go take a nap for yeah. 25 minutes. Um, excuse me, it's nap time. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if I can deal with that, but I. Yeah, if you want to, hey, if you also want to be known as the most annoying person in the whole room, join our polycycle <laughs> sleep program. <laughs> but I wouldn't mind more time in the day. I've been, uh, like I said, I had this, this schedule that I've built out. Is this a life hack, John? No, it's not a life hack. <laughs> everything's a life hack nowadays. Is it? <laughs> We're hacking every. Everything's a hack of some sort. I got a hack for you. I don't really want to hack. I just, I just have so many things that I want to be able to do and things that I would like to have time for that I just feel like I don't. Yeah. There's a lot of reading I need to catch up on. There's a lot of just educational stuff I want to catch up on. There's a lot of just casual. Just I would like to play a game. I haven't really played a game in forever because I'm just so busy with everything else. I think you're looking. I don't have a good hobby. I think, in, I think you're looking for a uh, a way to cram ten pounds into a five pound can. Maybe. Good luck. I am actually interested to hear it. I want you to try that because I want to see how it works. I do kind of want to try it just to see. It, 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 my logic is it's not too far of a stretch because I don't sleep that much anyways. I know. Yeah, you just have to take a couple of naps during the day, yeah. and you'd be good to go. All right, man. Let's wrap this thing up. Well, Got anything else? Yeah, I'm done. Okay. Bye-bye.